Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And today we're talking about how crunchy do you like your role playing game? Crunchy, yes. What is crunchiness? We've used that term before, and we kind of gave it an explanation or definition. You've used the term before. Yes. So for us, we believe crunchy is complex. Why do you say we? Because you just you, talk about yourself. <laughs> you don't want me to include you? That's fine. So I think crunchy is complexity. How complex is an RPG? And another question is why do people like crunchy games or complex games? Now, in the, I'm going to go back in the old days when I first started, 1978, and people of that era, I think most games that were being made were crunchy. They were just, just by the where they were coming from, which was people who played miniature games, people who played war games, they, when D&D came out, that's where it was coming from, and so a lot of people mimicked that style of play. I think that if you ever have a chance, you should go to a convention. If we ever get to go back to conventions, <laughs> and go into the game to the room where they're playing miniature games, right? With their rulers and their little guys the and charts. their charts, yes. And then you will understand what crunchy is, right? So, coming from that era, I know why people like crunchy games because a lot of the gamers, the first RPG players, were in fact old miniature war, miniature and war gamers. So it makes sense that the games that they played were represented that kind of liking of charts and complexity. And also they were trying to mimic or trying to be realistic. They were trying to be simulationist. So I can understand why the first RPGs were kind of complex. And the fact that nobody had really done it before. And so putting the idea of a, a simulation and this burgeoning idea of, of, of role-playing game came out with some pretty complex games at the big, very beginning of the RPG hobby. They're still very complex games today. Right, right. So I, I was saying, I understand why older gamers uh, like crunchy games or start off with crunchy games because that's all it was or that's that's where the hobby was coming from. It was coming from old miniature and war gamers. So we have D&D. Which, you know, by not today's standards, originally is probably not that complex. It was just kind of weird story, I mean, uh, ideas and rules. But at the same time, it woke a lot of people up to the possibility of role playing in that instead of uh, playing a, a specific unit in a war game. So a lot of games came out of that idea. So we have games like the first games were mimicking that kind of a pattern so we have games like uh, FGU Fantasy Games Unlimited you know had Star Wars Star Wars no had Space Opera uh, had Aftermath we have games like superhero games coming out a little later called uh, Hero not Hero but uh, Champions which later would would be mimicked by Hero Hero was a, a superhero game a little bit later on we have uh, I would consider Shadowrun kind of complex, but that you know you're talking about games in the mid '80s. But still, you got people like I said, people who were coming from the the hobby that was miniature and war games. You so, would consider Shadowrun a little complex. Okay, the first edition is a little complex. Yes, 
more complex than not. How's that? Now, fifth edition just goes crazy, but I'm just talking about in the 80s. So I understand why people back then liked crunchy games because basically that's what they liked about uh, war games and miniature games. But that's not the case anymore, right? People still like crunchy games. What are you talking about? No, no. The case is that they're not necessarily... Most role-playing players are not coming from miniature and war games, right? Like, Augustine, I don't think, has ever played Warhammer 40K or Warhammer or any large war game. Like Nobody's played war games with you. Right. We played Axis and Allies and stuff like that. And the one with the with the two different... the the where one is the United States and one is Germany, just two people. Oh yeah, I forget what World game War Two game. Uh, not Axis and Allies. No, I don't remember now. <laughs> it's a board game. It's got all the little chits. A lot of chits. I don't remember. But we he has played those. But that's but he originally started playing not any kind of war game or even board games. He you know really saw us playing, me playing, and wanted to play with us. And and I said, well, you need to you know. You need to learn the rules and stuff like that. So the rules at the time was Pathfinder. So he cut his teeth on Pathfinder. And it was just happened to be the role-playing game that me and my friends were playing. So he l- grew up playing Pathfinder, even as a little kid. So I understand my son. Well, my son is a good example of a new role-player, right? He's 17. He started playing, I'd say, when he was four or five and then he really didn't start playing Pathfinder because what I was run, doing was running made-up games in my own head that were reminiscent of D&D, but really wasn't. Uh, it was more like a counting game. Because he was little. Yeah, he was four years old and five years old. He was learning how to count. But I think when he was seven or eight, that's when he started reading the Pathfinder book. They were in first grade. Okay, so that's six years old. Okay, I don't remember. Well, okay, so obviously my, my memory's a little fuzzy. But yeah, so he was really young. And I, I was astounded that he was reading the, the Pathfinder book. Well, you told him he had to be able to read the rules to be able to play the right. game. And I think that really egged him on. And his friends. So him and Ian sat down and, and Ian helped him with the words because he's three years older. Yes. And then him and Alan just took off reading the Pathfinder rule book. Which, if you if you got a kid that needs to learn to read, there's a good book because then they ask you lots of questions about words. Yeah. There's quite a few. You know, and there's archaic words in there, right? Like... Archaic. Archaic words for like different types of weapons and stuff. Like archaic. (laughs) Archaic. So there you have it. So not this idea that I have in my head that old war gamers and miniature gamers are now role playing gamers is not true anymore. So a lot of new gamers are exposed to D&D specifically because of shows, you know, our actual plays like Critical Role. I know Jolene's never seen Critical Role. She might have seen one or that, two episodes. That's not true. I, I've I've seen parts of episodes. <laughs> and then there's a uh, there's like Joe Magliano, who's an actor who actively plays D and D or has come back to the hobby. And he's you know he's a I don't think he ever left it. I think he did. He stopped playing because he was talking about getting the group together and stuff like that. So he's he started playing and he's made, there's been some stories on him playing Dungeons and Dragons and how that has led him to his uh, acting career and stuff like that and there's a, a tabletop by will wheaton you know he's uh he usually runs uh, plays a board game but he's also played and ran in 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 rpgs i think one of them was fate so you're getting a lot of these new players that have no mil- not military no uh 
war game or miniature background and they're interested in D&D or they're interested in role playing they're like oh yeah or the big bang theory right there's all kinds of uh, popular uh, media that exposes people to role playing games and people go well I've always been curious so I want to play and some of those people actually like crunchy games when you say crunchy you mean that there's lots of different things you have to figure out right like not only from making your character where you're there's all kinds of of stats and feats and things that you need to right. the decide more, on and more take. stuff you need to decide on is makes it more complex yes so i think that it's not just war gamers and stuff but people in general that like complex stuff like people that like really heavy board games that i walk away from right well i, <laughs> I was just about to mention that so board games are huge right now they're come out with easy over a thousand games a year i don't know about last year since last year 2020 was a weird year right but uh board games are really really popular and a lot of new people are playing board games and along with board games there's a lot of people who like the real complex games you know the the real strategic there's a there's a mechanism that they like that you got to figure it out they got to the engine building and all this other stuff. A lot of games like those don't usually hit our table in our house because Jolene and our friends don't feel like spending three to four hours playing a single game when they can play four other games possibly and not divest, divest, no, not put too much time into one game and then end up losing because I think they're just super competitive. Well, I mean, I used to play, I we used to be able to play games that were really long, like History of the World by Avalon Hill. You know, even Axis and Allies, Risk and stuff like that, even though they're not really super complex, but they just took a long time. Civilization, but Jolene doesn't have that experience. Maybe Monopoly is a long game that took forever and didn't like. But they don't like playing a one single game all night. That just doesn't sound like fun to them. But other people do, like Feast of Odin, Kanban, Vinos. Those are games that are... Terra Mystica, there are, there's a lot going on, on in the game. There's a lot of things to figure out. And they're just really, really complex. So if people like that are sort of interested in RPGs and they come over to game playing RPGs, they might like complicated games. They might not mind the math or the complexity of figuring things out. And the more choices they have in, a, in an RPG, the more they like it. Like our son, this math head and his friends who are like, oh, if I do this, if I make this choice down the road at third level, fifth level, seventh level, or down the road, uh, I can get this other skill or feat or magic power that'll really make my character powerful. I think that's one reason why he said, I want to go back and play Pathfinder. Because <laughs> he kind of misses that, and D&D doesn't have that anymore. That's okay. We play Shadowrun. He gets uh, a little bit of complicated there. Jeez, yes. So... Shadowrun is very crunchy, and I think one of the things about crunchy games is there's lots of lots of dice rolling and tables yeah, to look at. Right, I totally agree. That's an interesting. We talked about Shadowrun before. We even did an episode on Shadowrun, and I was like, I, I'm still surprised that Fifth Edition is as complex as it is because I don't remember the first and second edition being that complex. But what is interesting. I heard that. That's okay. He, Felipe said you were playing it wrong, so well, it probably was. And you're, you're at, uh, I'm not going to disparage my, my brother on the podcast, but his memory is not the best. <laughs> but anyway, but unlike other games, Shadowrun really like digs into that crunchiness, right? Because, you know, you've been there with me when I'm trying to figure out what does this mean? How does magic really work? What do I have to roll to make it work? And we've read 
over and over. Well, not only read, but watched videos. Yes. It wasn't until we watched videos of other people explaining, not the rules, not the not the rule book, because maybe they're just bad at writing rules because it, it didn't really help. Because I, I like literally, I would read the combat section. I must have read it like five times when before when people really wanted when Jolene wanted to play it. And I'm like, OK, I, I can run it. So I went out and bought the fifth edition. I'm like, holy crap, this is like, this is 500 and something pages. And a lot of it is rules. So I was kind of shocked. And to me, that seemed a little bit too much complexity. Or I'm at a stage where nice, easy games are best for me because it lets me get to the action easier. <laughs> right? Or to well, the, the boys love the shadow run. Yes. They love the just the, the total crunchiness, the total complexity, and the idea that, that you know, there's... You have all of these, you have money, you have karma, and you get to choose different things with it, right? And you get to, to when you're creating your character, and they read all the different types of characters, and of course they went with these crazy builds of, right. of really complex people with lots of cybernetics and different things so that they could do what they wanted to do. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, wow. And, I, and like I said, but, you know, like I said, if they like Pathfinder then Shadowrun is like Shadow Math or whatever you call it, Math Finder, you know, because it's just really complex. But it's fun. I mean, all of those, all of the crunchiness makes the game a lot of fun because it's the interaction at the table, right? Of, well, what does this rule mean? And then them trying to decide what it means. And, and how many dice do you really get a roll to, what does soak mean? And all of these different things. And when you pull out 32 dice for rolling to hit somebody, you're like, okay, I should be able to get five or six sixes, right? Or fives. Is yeah. it? Is that the one where you get fives too? Yeah, okay. fives and sixes. So, but um, <laughs> to me, it doesn't matter because I got these guys sitting around me, like the Augustine and the boys, and and even Steve and, and and Jason. They all know all the things. So right. So if I go, I want to do this spell, and this is the force I want to use, and this is what I think is going to happen. And then if I'm right, I'm like, yes, I got it right. And if I don't, if I'm wrong. They'll explain to me what it is I really need to do. So that makes it really fun for me, not only because the boys are just having fun and reading the rules and into this, into the what's going on. Then if I throw a fireball at something and start stuff on fire, they're like, why did you do that? And then they, and then they, but they, they like it because it was action. Right. And then they get to explain, they get to, to actually do stuff. Right. And not just talk right. about it. And I think I've said it before already. You know, I don't mind crunchy games as long as I'm playing them. Right. <laughs> if I have to run them, it's a different game. It's a different situation. Unless it's like, like I say, even, even, even Shadowrun has a lot of rules and stuff. But like I said in the past, a lot of that is on the player's shoulders, all that crunch. The only problem is, is me devising things or events that will be able to, one, exercise that itch they have scratch that itch of them wanting to apply all these rules and their machinations of their character builds and stuff and me being able to stay on par with them and be able to present situations that they will be happy to play in which means enemies that are comparable to their skills enemies that are difficult to uh, eliminate or get past that is you know, the weight comes back on my shoulders. I got to figure out what's going to be a good fight or a good situation for them to figure out for these characters and the players to figure out. 
but you know i do love i do love the the setting i really like the setting of Shadowrun. that's the reason i i keep playing fifth edition i haven't looked at sixth edition i i would i don't know i just think i'll just stay with fifth edition since i have all the books and stuff crunchy games my my idea is that i think people who like crunchy games really do like that strategy they're really like manipulating their character to a point where they feel that i can take anything that the gym throw at me and especially if you have a group like that that they can be very uh, dominant in, in most uh, combat encounters now you throw a, a social encounter at them they might be a little bit taken back which is kind of fun to see too do you like crunchy games julian i mean it seems like you don't mind them as long as the players around you explain to you the crunchier bits of it, right? Like you were talking, you know, we played, I don't think you played Space Opera with me, but you played in my brother's game at a convention. Oh, Space Opera was, is, the thing about Space Opera is is, is a percentile, right? Right. And there's enough charts to, to just knock you over your head because you can't, <laughs> there's, there's charts for where you hit and how you hit and which part of the body, all kinds of weird things. But that was... The time I did play Space Opera, Felipe was running it, and it was really fun. And but there was a lot of math involved, and trying to I'll, and I couldn't tell when you were supposed to roll high or low, so I had to keep asking people. Yeah, there was that. I remember, I remember running Space Opera, and I remember what was it Felipe said that you that he said about about uh, some game. I think it was was it Morgan who was he said didn't like crunchy games. He goes, it's really crunchy. And then Philippe, what did he say? He said that, oh, once you play it two or three times, it it becomes easy. Oh, I think it was Flames of Freedom. We were talking about that. Oh. So F- Flames of Freedom is this Wildlander game that was kickstarted last, last year, late last year. And uh, we had a quick start rules, and we were playing that. And one of our players, uh, our fellow players in our RPG group, Morgan, he goes, oh, it's kind of crunchy. I don't really like it. It was too hard. Uh, and Felipe said, well, you know, crunchy games, play them two or three times, it gets easy. And I think that's true. I think that's true for space opera. Now, I think the only problem I have with Shadowrun is that we don't play as often as we play other games. And right. so we forget how things work, or I do. Maybe not my son and his friends and other players. But. Well, space opera was a lot of fun because of the, the setting, the characters, the different things you could do but it was also it was easy for me because there was I was playing with um, Steve and Chris so and they both would they they either both played before or they yeah. just figured out the the system was like not that hard to them where I'm looking at the chart going <laughs> charts. I have no clue as to what this and means those are simplified charts that we we had made yes I know <laughs> and I was still confused by them but I had a lot of fun because it was fun to one watch the watch the guys argue about rules and two have the it was the the scenario was cool so all and all I did was I finally got tired of listening to Felipe explain it to me and just told him tell me if I have to roll high or low and tell me which way and tell you what to roll yeah (laughs) yeah which dice am I rolling and what am I aiming for that's all I need to know so I know if I make it or not but that's that is a little bit too crunchy. Also, traveler, when you're creating a character and your character dies before you get done creating it, that's a. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I don't I'm, know if that's considered crunchy. I don't know, but that's just weird. And then people love that. Aspect but there were. But traveler has weird charts and stuff where you have to. 
Well, they're talking about the combat charts, I think. Yes. Or are you talking about the combat character? charts? You're talking about the character creation charts where you look at on a table to see what skill you got. On yeah, that table. was that wasn't too hard because it was just rolling the dice. But <laughs> the the combat charts, you pulled out this thing for Phil that was like this huge spreadsheet thing, and I'm like going, oh, no, I'm not going to look at that. It's the mother of all charts. Just tell me when I'm supposed to roll, because. And you would think Traveler would be easy because it's just too. 2d6 that you're right. rolling well that's why i like we were discussing uh liminal which uses 2d6 and all you need is an eight usually to to succeed now you depend on how complex something is or how hard it is to to accomplish you can raise that number to 9 10 11 12 it's not easy to roll an eight <laughs> up to six eight dice yeah but you add, get to add your skill just like traveler and liminal is the same thing but uh, for some reason, Liminal was ex- exceedingly much easier to play than Traveler for you. Yeah, because one, I didn't have to know what a parsec was and <laughs> which way the spaceship would go and things like that, which were just mind boggling to me. But it was other than the other than the that I thought that was really crunchy, the <laughs> the, the charts and the game. And right. it was really a, and it's this. It seemed more, and I know it was obviously one of the first games, one of the first role-playing games, but yes, it, it seemed really very, early. very, I don't know how you would explain it, like hard to understand. One, I had to read the rules. Augustine and I read the rules like four times trying to make characters. <laughs> and he that, understood them, and, but it, think, it was like the fourth time when he finally got it. And, you, and that, that was a copy of the original Three Little Books, yes, I believe. Yes, yes it was. Yes, we were trying, and, and we were looking at it on the computer, and we, he would read the paragraph, and I would read the paragraph. And then we would try to figure out what the paragraph meant for our yeah. character. Well, you got to remember that came out in 1977, so those rules have been, let's say it was in the works in 1976, 75. Well, then out. we had that there was a, some reboot of it. I don't know, right. but it's just as complicated because I had to watch a video on it to figure out. And then they, and then in the video they go, well, you could go one way or the other. Oh, there was a specific question on something. I forget what it was exactly. And it was an interpretation of the rules, right? Yes. And one set of people interpreted it one way and another set of people interpreted it the other way, which was, I thought was weird. But, you know, I think. Uh, which was true because your brother and some of the players interpreted it differently when we were playing it. Right. I think it was Philip and then Felipe. And Felipe goes, no, this is the way that we've always done it. Yes. <laughs> Which is not, doesn't mean anything because sometimes we did things wrong. But the, the more crunchy it is, I think the more interpretation you have. Right. That's true. I think for the most part, I remember playing space opera and running space opera and playing Traveler. And I don't remember it being such a big deal. I think the old style of crunchiness where you had to look stuff up in charts, you know, that's pretty passe. That's really old school, right? And I, I think more more recent crunchiness is more uh, doesn't rely on charts like that. For example, Rollmaster, right? Even even Space Opera, your Space Opera had all these charts. A lot of them had were like there were simply so many charts because they had so many weapons, and each weapon was had its own different characteristics. And so they had to have a chart of every single weapon that they wanted to include in this in this science fiction game. And because it was science fiction that they literally went from, they had tech levels, much like Traveler, tech level zero, which is like caveman, 
two tech level ten and plus, and they would and they had examples of weapons from all those eras, right? And e every tech level was a different level of civil civilization in the game. So there was a chart of sword, broadsword, poleaxe, right? And it ha each weapon had its chart on how effective it would be against certain kinds of armor. And they had all kinds of different armor from simple leather armor to uh, powered armor. Okay, you have to stop. Right? So that's why there were so many charts. The other charts it was to hit table. It tried to, uh, what is it, use a lot of examples of, because it was percentile dice, percentile system. <laughs> if you were shooting from a moving car, that was my, 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 or moving object, minus 25%. If you were moving, if the object was moving faster than 25 miles an hour, it's minus 45%. And then, so there was all these things included, or tried to be, they tried to include everything they could think of, which is a, an enormous task. And so you're like, oh my God, there's all these things if you're shooting with your offhand minus five percent and it just it just went nuts and so i think that's where where you're like man this is a lot of charts there's simply because like i said earlier that they try to be simulationist in the sense that we want to be able to present this game and give people as many inf as much information as they can to run the game which i think sometimes they would go overboard but if you think about it <clears throat> That's one of the things that people complain about today is that people, when they're playing role-playing games, are not as realistic as they should be. They say that if you're playing D&D, &D, you're, you're totally unrealistic about what's going to happen if you get hit. Healing potions aren't going to bring you all the way back to life and stuff like that. So... <laughs> well, that, that's maybe that's why they had so many charts because they wanted to be realistic. Oh yeah, no, definitely, and they wanted to include as much as they could, so the GM wouldn't have to come up with stuff on his own. All I have to say about charts is, we played Paladin, and <laughs> that, was, that was an adventure too. That it was, was in the adventure. There was a chart. It was a random chart, and someone's horse died, and I felt really bad <laughs> because. I didn't realize what the chart was until we were already in the middle of the chart. And I'm like, why did they put this here? But it was interesting and I understand why it was there because it's kind of old school, right? But um, I felt really bad. You wouldn't bad. write an adventure like that, though, with a chart. That I wouldn't have a chart. Well, and I didn't use any chart after that chart. <laughs> so th that's an interesting aspect. Of the, a paladin is a, a, a redoing of the rules of Pendragon. But instead of uh, Arthurian legend, it's based on the Charlemagne, the Knights of Charlemagne, right? Paladin. And there was some adventure book that either I, I bought or came with the core. Rule it was book. in the core rule it book. It was in the core rule book. It's interesting. I'm not. I'm not sure. The person who came up with Paladin was from the United States. I'm not sure. People have different ideas coming from different countries. Have different ideas of what crunchiness is or what it means. I think he was trying to. That guy, whoever wrote that adventure, was really hearkening back to the old days where if uh, if you were climbing the uh, the, well, the Pyrenees Mountains or whatever it was, you would roll on this chart to see what happens. And the chart was roll your horse skill or whatever it was. I forget what skill it was. And then It was like an endurance thing to then, see what would happen to you. And it was really, you're right, it was really weird because like there Sometimes other, you took damage just because you, you rolled a five right? instead of a two. If you didn't make your roll, uh, your horse died. If you didn't make your roll, you fall off your horse and you take this amount of damage. And that's all there was to it. There was no other mitigating circumstances other than this one die roll. And I, and I think that kind of weirded you out because it was like, 
It seems so random. Well, I felt really bad because I killed Jim's <laughs> horse. And I didn't use a chart after that. I just <laughs> skipped the charts. But that was me because I would felt bad for killing somebody's horse for no apparent reason other than the dice roll. Other than there was a chart in there that said to yeah. do it. And that was in the adventure. I think, like I said, that's kind of like, I think that's kind of really seemingly seems like old school ideas. Like, I remember. Well, just to randomize the encounter, right? So to make it more random, oh, you're yeah. rolling a dice to see what happens. And it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with what's going on other than you're going up this mountain, right? Yeah. I think, like I said, I, I would have the same problem. Because I don't like the idea of a one die roll, hit or miss, fail. It's like save or die, right? That kind of roll or chart. But it wasn't, I mean, I guess Paladin, not Paladin, Paladin and what's the other one? Uh, Pendragon are rather crunchy systems in fact, in a way that there's there's the, the good quality and the bad quality, right? And you have to, you, depending on all those traits, the traits and what you're doing, and there's all kinds. It, the The character sheet is like a huge chart because everything is there's the whole page is full. Well, yeah, there's, there's there's the whole uh, trait system, which I actually I really like. I think it's really cool. I'm, I'm not saying, and, and I don't mind crunch or right. anything like that. It's just it makes it more interesting to to role play. Right, I agree. And there's a lot of skills in that game, right? Yes. Yeah. I think in the... It's a bird outside. That's what it is. I keep hearing something. Uh, threw me off track, that damn bird. <laughs> so, crunchiness, I think uh, a lot of people still like it. I think we we are uh, we're going to be stuck with people who like crunch. You know, uh, for example, look at Shadowrun. I don't know how popular Shadowrun was. But it's still around. I mean, it survived 5th edition, massive crunch, and it came out with a 6th edition. There is D&D. D&D is considered a more, not a light game, a little bit more crunchier. Uh, it's not quite as crunchy as Pathfinder, right? And, and Pathfinder is like, people love it. And people like it. And, and Starfinder is even more crunchy, in <laughs> my opinion. Cause well, Starfinder is the 2nd edition of, it uses 2nd edition rules, kind of. What what would become second edition Pathfinder? Well, the thing about Starfinder is, is they added space to it, and <laughs> when travel. I played it, the space travel was just really. I was tired, though. I will admit, but um, people really like those charts for that space travel. You know what's funny is that the the space game part of Starfinder is very close to space opera. Space opera is played with graph paper on a on a. Of course, it's not quite no three dimensions, so it's just kind of weird. But I, I think it was interesting when it, when we pulled out the graph paper and we're oh my gosh, our... Felipe was like he was, he he took to it like a duck to water because he must have done it before the space travel thing. Well, yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of games that not me. Try to deal I was with. trying to figure out what the what what you guys were talking about, <laughs> and I know I was tired because we were at a convention. But I was I like falling asleep. I was looking at the guy going, what? I thought I, I was really excited to play Starfinder and then when I, I was very not put off by the space travel but it was a lot harder for me than it yeah. should have been the deal was really nice he was a really nice guy and he, and, and uh, it was an introductory scenario and the weird thing about that is that it tried to introduce you to all the different aspects of Starfinder from personal con- this is you know like this is an, 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 
what is it? This is an encounter that deals with personal combat. This is an encounter that deals with social interactions. interactions. And then, of course, you know, they had to put a little thing in there about space combat, which I thought was kind of interesting. But it was really late, and you were really tired, and not in the mood for that kind of stuff. Like I said, the crunchy games are still around. Uh, they're not as popular, meaning there's not a whole bunch of them as there used to be, or almost all games that came out were crunchy. And then now with this era of lighter games, of less uh, cumbersome rules and stuff, I think less people play crunchy games. Overall percentage of the whole role-playing I think I think games. some people would argue with you on that point. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I think, uh, you know, like D&D 5th Edition is out selling Pathfinder and Pathfinder 2nd Edition, I'm sure. Uh, just look at how, how many people who play. I'm just saying that I could find a room at a convention where everybody would disagree <laughs> with you. Yes, the Pathfinder room. Yes, I understand. Not only the Pathfinder room, but the miniature room and the, the rooms where, where those guys have those, you know, they've been playing champions for... 30 years or however long and you know they have lots of different games like that right and there's no doubt about it, people still play crunching games but I, like I said overall percentage of the group of uh, percentage of the people who play role-playing games uh, I think crunchiness is slightly dipping in the, in the recent past it might make a resurgence I mean you know people you know we'll see how second second edition Pathfinder does uh, there's Shadowrun 6 edition see how popular that is they try to streamline it a little bit, I've heard, but they still it's still a very crunchy game. So I think crunchiness, crunchy games are here to stay. Uh, they're not going anywhere. They're not as popular. I don't think they're as popular as they used to be simply because there's the barrier to entry, right? If you're going to start out, I remember this, this, I think I've told this story before, but I was listening to this other podcaster whose wife did not play the role-playing games. And he decided that you know he tried to get her to play try to play. finally she's she said yes and he started with her with her by making a pathfinder character oh that's probably not the best idea so i don't think they even got past finishing making the character and she decided she didn't want to play this hobby anymore to his terrible chagrin right he was like oh man that was like and he admits it himself uh he said that was a probably the worst game if you want to get someone to to play make the character for them <laughs> there's that or you know start them off with a slightly e- easier game but you know what are you gonna do i don't know <laughs> well like i said you know my my introduction to my introduction to role-playing was original D. my son's introduction to role-playing games was pathfinder simply because that was a fantasy game that i was running and it was the game that we were all playing so that's the game that he decided that he was stuck with because that's the game we were running. Now, if I was running, still running AD&D, he might have been hooked on AD&D, but it was Pathfinder. And so I think he has this idea that, you know, he played that as a little kid. So it's kind of nostalgic for him. So that's... He's only 17, so he doesn't have a lot. Of- <laughs> that was, that was what I was going to say. But I mean, he's mentioned it a couple of times that he would like to try to play Pathfinder again because 5th edition isn't as crunchy. There you go. There you go. So, I don't know what you can say, but I think Crunchy Games are here to stay. Uh, I would love to play them. Not necessarily run them. <laughs> <laughs> this is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. You have a good day. <laughs>